welcome to Definitely Not Funny. Actually the least funny person I know. <laughs> Hi there everyone. Welcome back to Definitely Not Funny. I am your host, Jackie Norris. You met me last week and that was lots of fun for me and maybe for you as well. And I'm excited to get back into it. So get ready for another episode and let's just get started. So I've been home for the past couple of weeks and home for me is like outside of Boston, Massachusetts. That's where I grew up. And then I went out to LA for college and stayed there afterwards. But you know, it's fall right now and the leaves are changing. The weather isn't bad yet. I wanted to see my parents and wanted to be home for a bit and I can work remotely. So I went home. Anyways, since I've been home, I've been staying at my mom's house and she has a Peloton and I've been using that because hashtag fitness is life. And I think the Peloton's funny because you're like in your living room working out, but then there's this superhuman screaming inspirational quotes at you. Like this one yelled at me, we're like pumping and doing the workout and she's screaming at me and she's like, I just checked my calendar and I don't have time for mediocrity today. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I checked mine too. And I don't think I got time for it either. It's just... It's very funny, it's very unique, and it gets very intense very quickly, but it's cool because they have British ones, so they have like a studio in London, and personally, I prefer the British instructors. I mean, the accent, come on, it's so good, they sound so beautiful, and I have two that I'm like obsessed with, and they're like my two favorites, and then I looked them up on Instagram, and turns out they're engaged, so that was pretty special, but also broke my heart a little bit, because that means that neither of them are single, but neither am I either, so I guess that's a positive, and I'm very happy for them, so that was really exciting, and I want to get like involved in the Peloton drama, but once I go back to LA, I won't have that anymore, so that'll be my special Massachusetts treat, but then this, I thought it was funny, I was doing this class this morning, each class has like a theme to it, so the theme of this one was like looking back on the past decade, and only music from 2011. And the instructor, of course, she's British. She's like, I'm not even going to try to imitate the British accent because it's going to ruin everyone's day. But she's sitting there and she's talking. She's like, think about like 2011. Maybe you got married. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you had a child. Maybe you had a grandchild. Like maybe that's when you graduated from uni. Yeah, that's what they call it. I know the lingo. It's whatever. Yeah, I watched Ted Lasso. Call me British, but... She's saying all these like monumental things and it's like pretty heartfelt. And then all of a sudden, like the next song is Six Foot, Seven Foot by Lil Wayne. And immediately the first place that takes me to is middle school boys smoking highlighters in the parking lot behind CBS. And so to explain what that is, because um, I don't think that's a normal thing and I really don't think it should be a normal thing. When I was in middle school, there were the cool boys. There were like the cool jock boys and then there were like the cool druggy boys, but druggy is a very generous term because they were, I don't know, 13 and smoking highlighters. And I only was there once for this experience. Otherwise, I didn't really get invited. But I remember they like, I don't know like who came up with this idea, but it was so, so weird. They would go to CBS and they would get highlighters and they would get tea bags like green tea bags and they would do something where they like took the juice out of the highlighter and like put it on the tea bag and they would light it and inhale it or something everything about that sounds wildly dangerous and unhealthy and toxic to me I think they should have just smoked weed and then another thing there was also like some girls would do this too they would crunch up smarties and they would snort them and that was also extremely 
disturbing to me and I I didn't partake and I didn't really approve and maybe that's why I didn't have many friends in middle school but if that's the reason I think I'm okay with it so if you're in middle school and you don't have any friends maybe it's a good thing anyways then I finished my Peloton class but I thought that was special that my Peloton instructor was able to take me back to that moment of my formative years as a child whatever that was a weird tangent apologies so yeah those are my highlights from Massachusetts and the other highlight is my mom has a yard and my dog has been enjoying using that as a bathroom I think that's fun for him anyways time to get into the episode so as you guys know from last week I mentioned briefly that I don't drink alcohol and something that I have noticed about like not drinking alcohol or if if you're someone who regularly drinks and then decided like you know what you're not going to drink one night or something like that you'll notice that it comes up a lot and is pretty relevant definitely more so than I think it should be but the reason I do talk about it I I guess have talked about it two episodes in a row slash my only two episodes so 100% of the time I've talked about it is because it really does come up a lot of the time and impacts my social experience and so I thought it would be fun or interesting you know informative to rank popular drinking games but as a sober person I don't know if that's the correct term for someone who doesn't drink but whatever it's also awkward because when I tell people I like don't drink they immediately assume that I'm an alcoholic and that's like a weird moment to like get over for me to like explain like no like I'm not I've never actually drank I can't it's like an allergy thing but then also to like say like but if you're an alcoholic like that's okay there's I'm not like it's very it's very weird anyways I went to a college with a big drinking culture and even after college I've been around a lot of drinking culture and people love to play drinking games and there are some that I love as a sober person and then there's some that aren't as fun as a sober person so I thought it'd be fun for me and maybe for you for me to rank the top 10 games that I've played and experienced in order from my least favorite to most favorite so let's start with my least favorite drinking game of all time and that is horse races So if you don't know what horse races is, you're probably living a really good life and you never need to know what this game is because I think it's the dumbest game in the entire world. Basically, the way the game works is you have a deck of cards and you take all the aces out of the decks. So you have like ace of spades, ace of hearts, whatever. And they're all lined up in a line. And then you take other cards. So I don't know. I guess you you take like six or whatever arbitrary number. I haven't paid enough attention to really explain the game perfectly, but Take like six other cards and you line them up along the side perpendicular to your aces. So you have your row of aces and then you have the deck of cards. And each time you flip the top card on the deck. So like let's say you flip it and it's a two of clubs. That means the ace of clubs moves up one. And then let's say you flip the next card and it's an eight of diamonds. That means the ace of diamonds moves up one. And then you flip the next card. It's a four of diamonds. The eight, the ace of diamonds then moves up again. You keep doing that until like whichever card gets to the end first wins. And I guess it's like whichever one gets there last has to finish their drink or something. So people pick teams like I'm rooting for spades or I'm rooting for the hearts or whatever. And then they all sit there and then they all watch one person like flip these cards and watch the cards move forward. And then whoever loses, whichever team loses, like has to finish their drink. And I can't think of a dumber game. I think it is so stupid. I do not understand the appeal or entertainment of it whatsoever. And then people get really, really into it. Like, especially if they're really drunk, they get really into it and really excited about it. So then when you're like not drunk and not into it, you feel really like not in on the joke. Like you don't get it you feel very left out it's very weird I hate that game it it doesn't I'm not around it regularly but if I ever am I make sure to leave the room because 
I just, uh, super dumb. It's a fucking waste. Okay, number nine is Thunder. So Thunder is a game with the song like Thunderstruck by ACDC. And everyone like has a beer or a spike seltzer, if you will. And, and you like stand in a circle or a line or whatever. And then the song plays. And every time they say Thunder, one person starts drinking. And they have to keep drinking their beer without stopping until it says Thunder. And then when it says Thunder, the next person starts drinking. And you do that for the entire song every time it says thunder so the reason this game isn't fun as a sober person is one you can't really play you could theoretically I've had people say oh my gosh you could just play with water but I don't know what it is maybe I'm a pussy but drinking a lot of water really fast and chugging it like frequently is just I it just kind of is not fun to me at all all it does is it sort of upsets your stomach So that game isn't really fun. And then, but the problem is the reason I really don't like it though is because it looks so fun. Like the song, you just get so hyped up and everyone's so into it and they're cheering for each other and they're so excited. And yeah, you're sort of a part of it and you can kind of cheer and stuff, but you can't like, you don't get cheered for if you're not drinking. And so that one's frustrating for me because it looks so fun and I want to do it so badly, but I've tried with water or like a juice or something and I just it just doesn't it just isn't the same people aren't cheering when you drink half a bottle of water the same way when you chug an entire beer so that one's number nine for those reasons mainly because it looks so fun but there's really no way to participate number eight is Edward 40 hands so Edward 40 hands this is this is mostly a guy's game I actually don't really know many girls who play this game because I think girls are a little bit more intelligent when it comes to stuff like this like as I mentioned before with the seventh graders smoking highlighters and tea bags those were only boys that did that girls were smart enough to know let's not do that sort of similar with Edward 40 hands Edward 40 hands like you get two 40s and then someone duct tapes them to your hands so you have one in each hand and you can't get them unduct taped no one will take them off until you've finished both of them the reason this is number eight is because one you can't play it as a sober person unless you wanted to have two bottles of water that you drank and again literally zero to nothing exciting about that but the reason it's above thunder is because you don't want to play it so you don't feel left out as a sober person with Edward Forty hands because you're watching everyone else playing it and you're like, wow, um, I'm really happy I'm not a part of this. So that's why that's number eight. Number seven. Okay, this is going to be controversial and I apologize. But number seven is Beer Die. Beer Die was the most popular game at my school. I did go to school in Southern California, so it was always sunny out. And Beer Die is like a definitely an outdoors game. You cannot play it indoors. So maybe that's why it was so popular. And guys would play it all day long, like in their frats, like front lawn or backyard or whatever. They would play beer die for hours every single day. And some people call it Snappa. My cousin's school called it Snappa. Um, I didn't understand that whatsoever. Beer die, for those of you who don't know, is you have a table and they're like very special like beer die tables. People are really intense about it. And there's four people that play, two per team, your two teams. And each corner of the table has a red solo cup of beer. And each person stands on a corner of the table and one team's on one side and the other team's on the other side and there's like a line down the middle and you have two dice each team like one person when it's your team's turn I also sincerely apologize if I am explaining this game improperly so if you are an avid beer dive player and you're like Jackie you're fucking explaining it wrong that's not how the game is played I sincerely apologize I'm really trying my best here and I 
I will acknowledge my faults. Give me a second. Let me call one of my friends and confirm. Okay, I have Grant on the phone. He's really good at beer. Or I don't know if he's good at beer dye, but, you know, he was in a frat. And he lived in his frat for way too long. So he'll explain it right now. I mean, beer dye is like there's two players on each side, and all you do is you toss a dye stuff into the, into the air, and it's going to go pretty high in the sky, and you got to land it on the other side of the table. There's a line in the center of the table, and there's two cups on. There's a cup in every corner of the table. So if you throw it up, you got to and it bounces the other team has to catch it with one hand um and if it hits the ground and they don't catch it you get a point um if you throw it up and you land it in their cup they have to finish their drink and then you get two points that's called a that's called a sink um and yeah so you play like seven or you play at 11 and i mean there's different variations of the game but that's the that's the game at the simplicity like the sim- in the simplest form so pretty exciting yay thanks grant so that's beer die and you play to like 11 but then it's a little confusing because wherever you play there's like different like house rules anyways as you can probably figure out by now people take beer die very very seriously and it's very intense and it's very competitive and people play for hours like they will practice and play for hours and hours hours I'll be on family vacation with my brothers and they will play for hours like it's nobody's business the problem is if you don't drink you're not super excited about playing beer pong for hours you're not gonna go like pre-game and play beer pong or spend your entire day playing beer pong so you don't get the reps in and beer pong is very much like the more reps you do the better you get at it also I just realized to keep saying beer pong I mean beer die so you're not getting your reps in so you're not very good at it and you can't drink so the problem is is then when you play with people they're usually at least in my experience upset that you don't know how to play so your teammate is upset with you because you don't know how to play and you're not good at it and they're losing because you're not good and then on the flip side if you're really good the other team will be pissed and they'll be like well you're sober like that's not fair that's why you're playing so well like you're sober and the worst thing you can do to someone who's not drinking is acknowledge the fact that they're not drinking and sober that is so fucking annoying and just screams insecurity so pro tip don't do that but then it's annoying because if you're bad you get yelled at by your teammate and if you're good you get yelled at by the other team for being sober and so it's just it's really a lose-lose and I don't like it but sometimes if you're with the right group sometimes it can be fun okay number six is flip cup flip cup It's fun. I like it. People cheer and it's exciting. I usually play with water and people don't usually notice or care. And there's two teams and each team will have like six to eight people or something. And they're in a line and you're facing each other on a table along the long side. And each person has a red solo cup halfway filled with beer, seltzer, whatever, your drink of choice. And you say go. The first person starts drinking. Once they finish their drink, they put it down and they like lean it off the edge of the table. They have to flip it over and land it upside down. And once they land it upside down, then the next person can start drinking and does the same thing and you do that till you get all the way to the end and then whichever team gets the end first wins that one's fun I actually kind of like that a lot it's easy to just play with water it's not overwhelming to drink half a cup of water in one gulp and people get excited and they cheer and you do the whole flip and you know it's fun it's good you don't usually want to play as long as other people want to play a lot of people if they're drinking they'll want to play like a lot of rounds because they're pre-gaming and trying to get drunk or something if you're sober, I mean, once you've had like three or four cups of water, you're kind of over it. Uh, you have to pee. Number five is drunk Jenga. 
Trunk Jenga is another one where it's like you play Jenga, but on each one of the Jenga pieces is written like a funny task or dare. And half of them are like, take a shot or like sip your beer or shotgun or whatever. Do a different like drinking thing. And then the other ones are like truth or dares or like funny other little things like Venmo request your ex or like whatever, stupid stuff like that. That one's good if you're with a good group. And then usually people will say like, oh, if you get one of the drinking ones, then you just have to do like a dare or something or I don't know. They'll like pick something else for you to do. And so that one's really fun and you can actually like participate really well and it's a good game. So I like that game a lot. I think it's great. Number four is beer pong. Beer pong is a classic. Most people know what beer pong is. Two teams on either side of the table. Your cups are made in like a pyramid shape and you throw ping pong balls on the other side to land in the cup. If it lands in the cup, the other team has to drink the cup. Whichever team sinks the other team's cups first wins. That one's good. I like that one. It's pretty fun. People are less intense about it as they are with beer dye. So they get less angry if you're doing well and you're sober and your teammate gets less angry if you're doing poorly because you don't have practice. It's also easy because because there's usually like a lot of cups on the table and stuff. And if someone sinks into your side, it's really easy to just put it to the side. And like you literally, no one has to drink it. There's no pressure to drink it. You just sort of take it out, put it to the side. Literally no one cares. A lot of people actually play beer dye where they like will have their own drink, like whatever, a white claw, and then they'll move just the beer cups out of the way. They won't even drink them. So it doesn't really matter if you're drinking or not. And it's really fun. And that's a good game. I think that's a great game. It's a fun game, even if you're sober. It's a fun one to play, not like fucking horse races. Number three is Stack Cup. I love Stack Cup. I think Stack Cup is awesome. So you're at a table, there's a bunch of cups at the middle of the table and they're all filled like a quarter of the way with drink of choice. And everyone is in a circle all around the table. And there's two ping pong balls and two cups start on opposite sides of the table. So when you have it, you have your ping pong ball and you have an empty cup and you have to bounce the ping pong ball into the cup. And then once you do that, you move it to the right. And then once the two cups are next to each other and the person to the left sinks their ball before the person to the right sinks their ball, they stack that cup. And then the person to the right, now their stack has two cups and one ball in it and they're holding the other ball. So they move the stack to the person to their right and then they have to take a cup from the middle and drink it and then start stacking that one. And so this game keeps going until you'll have like a stack of like 20 cups that you're trying to bounce a ping pong ball in and then basically at the end there's one cup left and that's like the bitch cup and it's filled with disgusting amount of fluids and it's a fucking disaster and as a sober person it's great because you never have to drink that but that's a really fun game everyone gets really into it they get really excited I'm also good at it I enjoy that I like being good at things. The only caveat for that game is you can't play it unless you have someone who's willing to drink for you. So you have to like find a friend or someone and you'll be like, hey, if I get stacked, will you drink for me? A good tip though is if that person doesn't want to have to drink double, have them stand to the left of you. And so then if your cups are next to each other, you just try to get it and they'll try hard not to get it so that they don't stack you. Because if they stack you, then that means they're going to have to drink again since they're drinking for you. So that one's a great game. I love stack cup number two is tits so tits is basically like there's two teams but you're diagonal from your teammate in this one so you have like four cups and like a diamond on your corner and the objective of the game is you throw the ping pong ball across to your teammate and they have to use their chest to knock it into one of the four cups so this game is fun because 
as a female, everyone's already excited when you play. Even if you don't even have boobs, for some reason, everyone gets excited. And people aren't intense about it. I think it's really fun. You don't play it all the time. It's not like everyone's first go-to game. So that makes it special and more fun. And it's very collaborative with your teammate. The other ones aren't collaborative. This one is very much like you and your teammate have to work together and be in sync. And so whenever you sink one, the other team has to then drink that cup and the winners are the ones who sink all the cups. So that one's really fun. I love that game. I think that's a great game. And it's the same thing with beer pong, where if you don't want to drink it, you just put it to the side and you don't have to drink it. and You can just keep playing. No one gets mad at you're sober. And then lastly, number one is my favorite drinking game of all drinking games. And that one is back to back. So back to back, you have like a group of people and two people go up to the front of the room and they stand back to back and each of them is holding a drink and everyone else who's watching shouts different prompts at them. So they'll be like, who's going to make more money when they're older? Okay, let's say that's the prompt. The two people who are up there, you drink if you think it's you. But you only want one person to drink for each prompt because if you both drink, then like you both have to drink again. And then if neither of you drink, then you both have to drink. But if only one of you drinks, then like you won the round and no one has to drink. So let's say the prompt is like, who's more likely to make more money? Okay, let's say I'm doing it with my dog, Zeke. Um, Zeke wouldn't actually be playing, but he's sitting next to me right now. So he's the first thing I can think of or imaginary person, Zeke. How about that? That makes it easier. So let's say I'm doing it with Zeke and then I know in my heart that I'm going to make more money than Zeke, but I know Zeke is a cocky prick and he thinks he's going to make more money than me. And so I want us to win this round. So I will not drink because I know Zeke will drink and then that way we'll win the round. So it's very strategic, but it's really funny and it's great because whatever pairing is up, it's a totally different game. It's a fun game to watch and it's a fun game to be a part of. And I always do it with just water and it doesn't matter because the actual drinking part really doesn't doesn't matter at all. It's more like really fun, a really funny way to like roast your friends. And also if it's like a group of people you don't know, you get to know each other really quickly. I love that game. That is by far, hands down, my favorite drinking game. People might say it's not a drinking game, but in my mind, you know what? It's a drinking game and it's a fantastic drinking game. So I would always recommend playing back to back. And those are my sober person drinking game rankings. So when you're playing drinking games with your sober friends, maybe keep those in mind and maybe they have different rankings. But if you take away anything from this, it's that horse races fucking sucks. You should never play it and you should never suggest it. Those are my thoughts. Um, Cheers. Okay, it is question time. It is question time. Okay, question number one. How do you find confidence on your low days? This is a great question. I'd love to know the answer as well. (laughs) That would be helpful. Truthfully, I've never had the mentality of like when I'm feeling low to search for confidence. Okay, I'm going to make this, it's not a two-part question. I'm going to make it a two-part question. So like, what do you do on your low days to sort of feel better? And then how do you feel confident when you're really not feeling confident? So on my low days, things that really help me are exercise. That's really important to me. Just endorphins. It always makes me feel better unless it's a shitty workout. And then I sometimes feel worse. Being outdoors is really important. So getting fresh air, going for a walk, sitting outside, that's really important for me. Being around people that I love and care about and whether that's physically in person or just talking to them on the phone or texting them or thinking about them, all of those things really help. Music, 
my playlists on my phone are not like by excited music and then like chill music or whatever. I tried that for a bit. It didn't work. My playlists are each like a period of time. So like each segment of my life, I create a new playlist for. So I'll go back to a time when I was pretty consistently feeling good and confident and I'll listen to the music from that. And that will trigger something in my brain that helps me feel better. For confidence, one trick that works really well for me is fake it till you make it. So I remember the first time I used this, this is going to sound whatever. It's going to sound pretty vapid once this comes out of my mouth, but it's who I am and I'm not going to pretend. So when I was a freshman in college, it was like week one, we had sorority rush. And I remember on like day, days like one and two were chill. And then like by like day three was when like people had started getting cut from houses they really liked. And I was so freaking nervous and I didn't know like what to do. And I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm so nervous. I'm not cool. I'm not funny. I'm not interesting, whatever. And then I did acting a bunch in high school. And the only way I was able to like calm myself down and like go in feeling confident was I I was like, all right, I'm going to leave Jackie Norris's body for a second. And I am playing a character who is super vibrant and fun and goofy and people want to talk to her and I'm going to play this character. And that was what I did. And it was easier because I was like, okay, I'm not walking in as myself. I'm walking in as this person who's super confident and I'm playing that character. Granted, this goes against literally everything they tell you to do in like sorority rush or like job interviews and stuff, which is like, be yourself. Sometimes being yourself is really, really scary and you're not feeling your best and it's scary and you don't know who yourself is anyways because no one knows who the hell they really are and you don't know what to do. So for me, I use this trick all the time. If I'm like nervous, if I'm nervous in like a social situation, like I'm nervous going to a party, especially now I get so nervous in social situations post COVID. I never really had that before, but now I do, I think because you know, pandemic, I will like go into a party and I'll be like, I'm going into this party as this girl who is super fun and she loves the music here and she just wants to hang out with everyone and she wants to meet people and really like comforting and approachable. And I'm not going in as myself because going in as myself is really scary and nerve wracking. I'm going in playing this character of this really fun girl. And then after like two minutes, you'll forget that you're like playing in this character thing and then you'll just fall into it and it'll feel natural. I I did the same thing with like job interviews and stuff like that or even like meetings if I'm on like a client meeting and I'm expected to like explain something to a client if I sit and think like oh my god I'm 24 years old I'm two years out of college I've never been in a client meeting before like I don't know how the he- what the hell I'm doing I don't know how to do this if I sit and think like that I'm screwed but if I sit and think like no I am the best client facing person at this company and I am so great at speaking with clients and being eloquent I'm playing this character of the best brand manager this industry has ever seen. And she's so poised and has everything together. And I like go in thinking I'm going to play that character and I'm going to do that. Once I'm in after a couple minutes, I'm like, okay, I'm good to go. And so, yeah, maybe it's fake it till you make it. Maybe it's just being a fake bitch altogether. But I find that not putting so much pressure on myself and like having myself shine and be confident and exciting, but playing this character that is so confident and exciting and fun to be around is much, much easier for me to sort of like get the wheels moving and get started and then I can fall right into it. So that's what I do. Don't know if it's right or wrong, but it works for me. Okay, the next question is when you're sad, how do you lift yourself up? Um, I kind of answered that in the first question, which was basically like I talk to 
family and friends. I spend time with my dog. Getting out of my apartment is really important for me. I like to play Animal Crossing on my Nintendo Switch. So that's really fun. For me, it's being around people. And what I do is I have a list of things that I really like and I really love and I can do when I'm not feeling good and I need to be lifted up. So like there are certain podcasts that I love and there are certain certain episodes of certain podcasts that I really love. And there's music that I love or there's certain foods that I enjoy or there's certain candles I really like and things like that. So engaging all my senses is a big one. But then I also keep all of these things that lift me up and make me feel better. I have a list of them because when you're really down, I've noticed it's very hard to remember the things that make you really happy and it's hard to take the initiative to do it. So if I have it all written down, all I have to do is go to that list and then go through it one by one. And you come up with them when you are in a good mood. So when you're doing something and you're like, wow, this makes me feel good and I'm really enjoying this. Write it down on your list. And then later at another time when you're feeling sad or you're feeling low, go back to that list and be like, okay, this is what I like to do. What's your favorite form of self-care? My favorite form. Oh, that's a good one. I would say my favorite form of self-care is stretching, like deep, deep yoga stretching. I love it. There's a class at my gym that's like this restorative yoga class. But I love in my apartment even just like deep stretching. I think it's really calming. It's so great for your body. It could not be better for your body. And it engages everything. A big thing for me is like meditating is hard for me. I'm getting better at it, but it's hard because everything's not engaged for me. But if my whole body's engaged and I'm really like stretching, doing something really great for my body, taking care of it, but it's not like an intense workout It's just calm and smooth and it makes you feel really good afterwards and very just like calm and at peace. I love it. It doesn't even have to be like serious yoga. It can literally just be like sitting on the ground with your legs in front of you reaching for your toes. I would say that's my personal favorite form of self-care. How to get over a breakup. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I have an answer for how to get over a breakup because I haven't really figured it out. I think giving it time is your best way in my experience and my like observing my friends and stuff. That seems to be really the only way to get over a breakup. So I would say giving it time. I can say with confidence, though, how to not get over a breakup is to continue communicating with your ex or the person you've broken up with. That's the worst way to get over a breakup. I think every time you communicate with your ex, you, the time, so let's say, okay, let's say if the only way to get over it is by like just waiting it out and taking time. And let's say you've gone, you broke up two months ago and you've waited two months and then you text them again. Well, now you've broken that whole time that you were healing and getting over it and you got to start over from square one. So I would say whatever you do, do not communicate with the person that you've broken up with. I think that's that's how you don't get over a breakup. And other than that, I think it really seems to just be time. I think also to know that you are going to get over it and you're going to be okay. Everyone goes through a breakup. Every single person. Okay, maybe not every single person, but most people, there's maybe a few who are married to the person they met when they were 12 years old. But majority of humans go through breakups multiple times. Everyone does. So know that you're going to be fine. You're going to get over it. You're going to get through it. And it's a normal thing. It's a normal part of human life. And you're going to be okay. And so I know it can feel like, oh my God, how will I ever get through this? This was the greatest love ever. I'll never be able to get over this. I'll never be able to move on. You will. You will. Everyone does. 
it's okay. And everyone's sad about it. You can be sad and you should be sad. That means it was a worthwhile relationship. If you're not sad, well, then that's good because you don't really have a breakup to get over. But that also means that you didn't enjoy the relationship very much. Okay. And the last one is right person, wrong time, a real thing. This one's tricky. I don't think so, but I know other people feel differently. I'm going to talk about it from the perspective of like teens, early 20s, whatever. I guess technically I'm a mid 20s now. Excuse me while I puke. I think if someone, if a guy's like, oh, you're the right person for me and I want to be with you and yada, yada, yada. But like, I just need some time. It's not the right time. I need to blah, blah, blah. I think that's a lame cop out excuse. I think if he wants to date you, he will date you. I know like with my current boyfriend, when we first met, I was not looking for a serious relationship by any means. I was like very content being single and living my little single life and enjoying myself. And then I met him and I was like, there's no chance I'm letting this person go anywhere and get away from me a hundred percent I want to be with him I didn't want a relationship until I met him and now I'm with him and like the second I went on the first date with him I was like that I need to date this guy this is gonna be my boyfriend I don't care this is way better than being single so in there's some instances like that where I'm like if someone says it's the wrong time then no they don't really want to be with you so that's kind of what I think I mean granted I think there are other cases where it's like you meet someone and they live in Croatia and you live in Missouri and maybe they're the right person and you met them on your spring break trip to Ibiza Ibiza but now is not the right time because they live in Croatia and you live in Missouri and that's wildly inconvenient but maybe in 10 years you are going to move to Croatia and then it is the right time so in that instance I think yes it's a thing but I think it's like if you guys like live in the same city and they're like you're the one for me but like right now it's just like not the right time like I just gotta like you know like do my thing and spend more time with my friends and stuff and like whatever don't don't fall for that you're too smart that's bullshit Well, that wraps up this week's episode. My voice is sore from talking, which is remarkable because I'm a big talker. I hope you guys have a killer week and I wish you all nothing but the best. Enjoy some fall weather. And you know what? Don't listen to what the haters say. Go get your pumpkin spiced goodies and fucking live it up. Cheers. Did you laugh? I didn't. 